Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is our almost over COVID edition, and we're hoping, we're praying that uh, sports coming back in a mighty, awesome way. This is Paul Arnold, your typical host, but these guys sometimes host as well. So I got Nate Moyer out in Connecticut, and Connecticut, the guys have all decided out there to grow COVID beards. Is that correct, Nate? Yeah, that's kind of our one thing to do is stay inside, drink beer, and um, wear, grow some beards. My wife hates it. Most people like it, but uh, wife's not a big fan. But, you know, it's it's something. It's like the hockey beards in the NHL playoffs. I think it's kind of a fun thing. Mm. That's about it. Mm-hmm. All right, Ernest, you've had a beard off and on your whole adult life, right? Ever since age 14, yeah. I mean, it's it's a nice way of shaping your face. If you have a weak chin, you can let it grow and, and make yourself to have a strong jaw in that respect. Yeah. Now, and I've had beards. It hasn't worked for me. My my daughter yelled one time. I woke her up in the morning like, honey, it's time to get up. And she looked and she screamed when she saw me with the beard. <laughs> Not a good. I don't think the had anything to do with it. Oh, thanks, Nate. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> How fast so did your beard grow that it? One day's difference to scare. No, no, no. There was I came back from Africa from a mission trip, and I came back late one night. So the next morning, I thought, well, I'll just uh, say hello to her because I grew a beard because we were going to a country that was uh, heavily Muslim, and if you wore a beard, people would accept you quicker or show you more respect. Although the little kids over there would point at me and scream like, "Ah, Mazungo, Mazungo!" I think what meant like extremely white person. So. Anyway, enough off-topic stuff. Let's get to semi-sports. Um, guys, this is Sunday while we're recording it, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching the Colonial, but forever in my heart, the Byron Nelson Open on the golf match on today, and I really didn't miss ha- having any fans there. I thought it was a great tournament. Did either of you watch it? Nate, did you watch it? I watched some of it. Um, I watched it Thursday, Friday, and some yesterday. I didn't watch any of it today. I actually played golf yesterday, and then I came home and watched it, which is kind of cool. Um, but no, I, I mean, it was it was fun to write. You, you're right. I mean, I think with the PGA, you don't really see that many people um, along the fairway anyway. You, send, you kind of see more at the tee box and the green. So you're right. I, I really didn't miss them that much. Um, and I kind of, you know, I had the kids moving around and stuff like that, so I didn't really pay that much attention to the commentary. I was just kind of watching it. So to me, I, I couldn't tell a difference. I think you're right on. I couldn't tell a difference at all with – with the fans being there. What about you, Ernest? Did you get to watch any of it? I caught about 30 minutes Saturday, about 30 minutes near the end today. I thought it was real neat that in the 17th to 18th hole, the houses around the course had built these little scaffolds. So you could hear them shout. I think uh, one of the guys was leading, put it in the pond, or and then had a beautiful putt of about 50 feet. And you could hear the people in the neighborhood watching and that that you know that sounded kind of like a tennis crowd because tennis crowds traditionally have not been that loud. So I, I, it was, I mean, slowly we're coming in. La Liga came in this week. The Premier League comes in next week. MLS around July fourth. We're, we're slowly dipping into it. It's it's just coming very slowly because we've been without it for three months now. You know, one thing I thought was interesting. I had to look it up on my phone. So Gary Woodland had a shot on um, on one of the holes. I think it was on the 13th hole, and he was kind of like where you would chip it, right? He was off the green and a little bit of the rough um, right by the green, but he wasn't on the green. He was on the rough area, and he brought out like a 5-wood or a 3-wood and basically like almost putted it with a 3-wood with a right. and tried to get it on the green. I thought that was so bizarre. I guess it's a very advanced technique that some people do. So I, I'd never seen that before. I took a video of it and sent it to some friends. Yeah. Um, one of my buddies that's he plays golf very well. Um, he was like, yeah, that's kind of an advanced technique. You have to <laughs> practice it a lot, but it just threw me off. I'm like, did he just forget to put a sandwich, you know, a pitching wedge in his oh, back today or Nate, what? Nate, let me welcome you to the great Jack Nicholas school of uh, playing golf. When I was a kid, I would subscribe to golf magazine just to read how to play golf from Jack Nicholas. And Way back then, he would talk about you use a, a driver or a three wood or a five wood to, because it would cut, it wouldn't slow down through the heavy grass and it, it would pop it out nicely because you have enough mass behind it. So that's it's been around for a while. Also, it's been around sometimes they take the putter and they use the end of it like a croquet mallet and then they. I have seen that before. 
Okay, yeah. so yeah, it's it's been around. Well, I, I like the driver. That's cool. One of the side notes from this tournament that was really fascinating to me, and I think I've been on both sides of this thing, but uh, one guy named Gary Woodland, they were saying, oh, yeah, he's lost 25 pounds and gotten lean and trim like the other golfers to try to win more and be up there. And another guy named Bryson Chambly, I think is the name, put on 25 pounds, and he said he put on mostly muscle so he could drive it further. Now, neither one of those guys won it, but they were right up toward the end. And I thought, what sport would you think somebody's going to gain 25 pounds for? I would never have guessed golf, but um, Chambly's different anyways, because I'm going to ask you guys, what is unique about Chambly's golf clubs that's different than anybody's out there? Ernest, do you know? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I caught him shooting. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it. You get arrested for that, but no, it's I know. not that. I didn't. I didn't see his clubs. Actually, I didn't. I didn't honestly pay any attention to it. So he was used to be known because he used to have a hat like the old caddies would have, only those straightforward hats. Oh, the the Peaky Blinders. Right, but Patty. but he's also hat. really quirky. He has decided that he has made every one of his golf clubs the same length. Every golf club's a little different in length, so you can hit a different distance. And so he made all his golf clubs the same distance. So his driver. Mm. Is the same length as his nine nine So it's really a little quirky. And he sometimes really plays great. And then other times he looks, you know, lost because he's trying to do something so different. Paul, so- let me let me ask a question. I remember it was a non-PGA event, and this was in the eighties and seventies. Didn't they used to have these tournaments where you only have one club? <laughs> Not professionally, maybe at the local no, yeah, nine hole course. Local level, yeah. I- I remember when you had to pick one club and that's what you had to use. Like I said, it wasn't a PGA. It wasn't professional. It was an amateur event, kind of like long driving contest, that kind of thing. They did that in the golf match with Tiger Woods and uh, Mickelson and Brady and Peyton Manning. They did that. They had to pick a hole. There was one hole and they all, you know, they had to pick a club. I think they picked a seven iron or something. Oh, cool. Forgot. Did you guys see the match? You guys talked about it in the other podcast, but I do remember that where they did one hole, they had to play the same club. Nice. I, I vaguely, maybe it's something I read in Sports Illustrated back in the 70s or 80s, one of these like strange, you know, events they would have. But it was, like I said, it wasn't a PGA event. It was like a long driving tournament or something like that many years ago. So is golf, you think, going to survive? I mean, at one point, Tiger Woods really elevated it. I mean, it became the hot thing to do, a lot of golf courses, and now a lot of golf courses have closed down. Uh, do you think it's still a game for the masses or do you think it's got the element of for those who are fluent can play it? Nate, what do you think? You know, honestly, I got to tell you out here since the golf course has opened back up since quarantine, they're packed. They are absolutely packed. Every time we've gone, we've probably gone like once every week since they've been opening up. But, you know, we've gone online to try to find other courses because we want to play early on Saturday mornings. These things are booked. I mean, they are. We we got to go out like fifty miles to try to find something. I mean, they're they're packed right now. Now, now if that you know turns into more viewers watching PGA Tour, I'm not sure. But I mean, I came from Arizona where we have the waste management open and we have the highly what the highest um, uh, highest attendance of any PGA highest Tour. Drinking so like per it's. It's oh that's Patron. absolutely it. It's called the wasted management open. I mean management open, um, but that always has you know like two hundred fifty thousand people. So to me, I think it's it's still doing well. Um, I, I think it's always going to be there, and I think a lot of people can kind of watch it, practice it, you know. And there's something about people that get into golf. It's kind of a relaxing thing to do on a Saturday, or you know, people that are retired, they're doing it during the week. Uh, but a lot of, you know, it, it seems to be very popular. I haven't not seen anything slow down on the golf courses, West coast or East coast so far. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Now you're talking about a top name right now of tiger once tiger leaves, but you know, there's always going to be guys. I, I think the sports, I think the sports. Okay. Ernest, Ernest what do you think? Yeah. The sport is there. safe. If you- if you look at the commercials, it's it's for Lexuses, it's for stock market, and you know golf has always traditionally appealed to the top five percent of income earners. All the Fortune 500 companies they use golf as a way of, of of business and everything. When you back in the 60s and 50s, before there was a Tiger Woods, 
you had golf on TV all the time, even more than basketball and baseball. They had the the shell world of golf where two guys would play against each other and a little one-hour package on TV. So as long as upper-income individuals are interested in participate, play golf, golf will be on TV. Golf is safe. Will it ever be the top four or top three? No, but it doesn't have to be because they can charge so much for commercials and they have their own channel. It's like tennis and golf have their own channels. They're relatively safe. They have their niche. They're okay. They're not worried about expanding and appealing to the masses. I don't think golf, I mean, Tiger was nice, but golf never saw itself like NASCAR or hockey or baseball or the big, you know, big sports that wanted to expand nationwide. Yeah, I mean, PGA is on a lot more on some of the major networks than hockey is. And the ratings are relatively low, but they don't care about that because they can charge so much for commercials because they know their viewing audience is a group that has high disposable income. And that's been tradition for the last 60 years. I mean, no, I like to watch a couple. I don't watch every tournament, but I'll watch, you know, the Masters. I'll watch the U.S. Open. I'll watch now I watch the, you know. Waste management open. I'll watch all the rounds of that. That's just because I'm a little bit homesick of <laughs> from Arizona, uh, but I don't watch all of them. But you know, there, there's some that I like to watch. So, to me, I, I, I can understand the low ratings because I don't think everybody watches every tournament. But there's probably some diehards. There's probably the one percenters, um, like you said. I mean, again, that's why they can charge for ratings. They're safe. I love the British Open because it always looks like it's being played on the dark side of the moon. I mean, it's just, oh, that's a, it's tough a different course. different yeah. course than what we see. A lot of the American courses outside of the Waste Management and, and Pebble Beach and the Masters look mundanely the same mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on TV. I know they're, they're challenged different for the golfers themselves, but you know the British Open is always something unique and different more than in, any of I, I even pay more attention to that than I do the Masters. You know what they should do is, you know how Boise State in football has the blue field? That's what they should do. They should have a golf course on the PGA that's just a blue course. Right. So instead of everything being green, everything's blue. Fairway, green, driver, mm. T box, all that stuff. That'd be and great. the graphics, the graphics they do, the 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 telemetry of, of where it lands and where it goes oh, yeah. and the angle. I mean that's space age what they're able to show you. And on the tail. T- I, mean, I like the tail. It's kind of cool oh, yeah. when they show that. Yeah, golf is the, the spin. Go ahead. Hey Paul, I'm sorry. No, so I was just saying I agree with you guys. You're right on point. I think golf is so much like a video game now because you can see the, where it was going. And I thought the players played faster at this tournament without um, fans. I thought they didn't have to walk through fans. They weren't, I don't think, as nervous with fans. I think that's a huge advantage for some of the guys who don't handle that pressure. And it'll be interesting to see the Masters this fall. But overall, I think golf really translates well, and I'm going to play this Friday. I'm looking forward to it. And another observation is, you know, after this whole COVID thing is winding down, guys really miss hanging out with other guys, and golf gives them that perfect opportunity to be out there, to hang out, and to talk. So golf's doing okay, but a sport that's not doing so okay is Major League Baseball. We go from function to total dysfunction. And we might as well get it over early. This is sort of the downer part of our podcast, for me at least. But let's just talk it out, get it out of our system. Um, Ernest, what are you, who are you the most disappointed with right now in Major League Baseball that we don't have a plan for any baseball this year? A pox on both houses, really, both of them. This reminds me of the strike of, of 85 in that respect when we you know missed 52 games 52 days uh both of them bring both of them are seeing this as an opportunity to prepare themselves for the next strike we're going to get baseball we're going to get games and we're going to get 14 playoff teams which means pretty much everybody's wide open if you get hot if you get hot you're going to be in the playoffs if you win 20 half you're probably going to be the playoffs if you split the season but the owners saw an opportunity. They, they cry wolf. Oh, we're going to lose. When the lowest amount of their revenue is attendance, they just signed a billion, yes, billion-dollar contract with TNT Sports to do all these wild-card playoff games. So they're not hurting for money. So much of what they get is TV rights. They own the regional sports networks. The players, in the same respect, seem to be tone-deaf that we have 16% unemployment. And individuals are looking for something to take them away for three hours a day from what they're dealing 
And they have adhered to, even though uh, their revenue was based on attendance and other revenues coming in sports, they want straight prorated amount. And I understand but, that. But to is a there nobody extent. you dislike even more than you? Just give me a general answer, which is okay. Both of them. Both of them. But there's Both not one I, person I mean, that just when they come on TV or you read on ESPN, you go, ah, I can't stand that owner or Scott Boris, the agent. Uh, the Scott agent Boris, the he had a uh, uh, players association who is not a lawyer. Tony Clark. He's a former player. Yeah, he has had – Tony Clark has had no experience uh, prior to being elected as the president. Needs uh, surprising to me that all, all the other players association directors are attorneys who have had legal negotiation experience. He is not. Everything that has come up when they talked about on the field, wiring the players – when they've talked about expansion of playoffs, his uh, his idea is no. We'll wait and talk about when negotiate a new contract in 2021. Both of them have seized on a natural catastrophe, COVID-19, and have looked about how we're going to line our pockets with this. They're almost as bad as those people who run commercials that say, "In these trying times, we understand." Okay, no, you're not. You're just trying to sell me a product. Okay, don't don't. They're just looking to cash out, and they don't care about the sport. They don't care about the sport five years from now or ten years ago or the fact they have the highest-aged viewing group, and they're losing young people right and left. They just don't care. They're trying to cash out. So both of them equally. I think I think I'm more disappointed in the players. I think, you know, I, I it, it's weird because obviously I, I don't have the money that these guys on both sides have, but. Um, I think that the players need to understand that from an owner's perspective is, you know, yeah, we got to make these, you know, pay you guys. But at the same time, we look at it. Our stadiums are all going to be empty. We don't have the concessions. We don't have ticket sales or maybe the merchandise. Maybe some of that's online. But, you know, I think that they should kind of take a realistic approach and say, hey, look, like obviously the revenue is not going to be there for, you know, our, our owners. We should be able to, you know, work a little bit more with this, I think. I don't know much about Tony Clark. I know he played for the Dimebacks. I liked him when he was on the Dimebacks. I don't know much about his negotiating style, but I don't understand why like Scott Boris has been involved with any of this. He's not a player. Um, he's an agent that's looking out for his bottom line because obviously he gets his money from whatever the players get. So, but I, I don't understand why he needs to be injected in there. He should be, you know, he should be on the outskirts, not not involved in this. So, uh, but I think at, at the end of the day, I think the one that's going to really hurt the most is the fans. I think. Fans were starting to leave anyway because of you know the pace of play. Um, they've they've tried to already institute all these things to help kind of keep fans more engaged. And um, so I think at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. I mean, we saw what happened with hockey when they had their last strike. They came back and you know the ESPN didn't even have it on anymore. So that was kind of a killer. You didn't get to see them on TV as much. And I think that really hurt the sport. So um, I mean, baseball is America's pastime. It'll kind of be there, but I. I don't know. I think some of the fans are going to be kind of annoyed. And this is a great time for other sports to step up. This is more, if you don't have anything, to, if you don't have baseball to watch, you're going to start watching other things, right? You're going to start watching the PGA. You're going to start watching, I don't know, whatever's on ESPN 8, the cornhole tournaments, right? You're going to watch, <laughs> um, when NHL gets started, you might watch more NHL. I think NHL might be the real winner of this because if there's no baseball, right, you're going to have the NBA starting up. But I think the NHL starts prior to the NBA, if I'm not Correct. mistaken. So 20, NHL 20. is going to have this this monopoly on American sports mm. until you know Thursday Friday golf tournaments, but I think they're going to capitalize on it a little bit too. But I, I don't know. I think Major League Baseball needs to just suck. They need to be like, look, something and get out there and play. And I, I don't I don't see that happening. And um, it'd be nice if they could kind of work together on something, even if it's just like, look, like let's deal with next year, next year. Let's just get a season in this year for the for the sake of the fans. Let's get something. So Nate, let, yeah. let me answer the, the Boris question. When Boris when one of his players sign a contract, the ten to twenty percent that he gets is not awarded at the beginning of the contract. He gets the percentage as the contract's being paid. So if players aren't being paid, he's not being paid. What you're going to see is a 50-game season, and then the Players Association are going to file an injunction. It will not stop the season, but they will file an injunction basically saying the Major League Baseball did not negotiate in good interest. Then the then baseball will file a counter-injunction uh, saying that, yes, we did, that the Players Association did not. And even though these injunctions 
Capitals being a play will not stop the season itself. I think you'll see anywhere from 5 to 20% of your regular players set the season out because they will not get full credit for the season towards free agency. And so why, not got, pull up, why not pull up some of the younger guys? Why not pull up some AAA guys, some AA guys? That would there is play no for AAA. There no, is but no I'm AAA saying those guys now. Are, some of those guys are under contract, right? Where, the, where are they yeah. at right now? If they're released, how hard is it to resign them? Hey, we're going to yep. give you a, you know, yeah. a league minimum to play pre-prorated league minimum. Like scab, you know, like the scabs or whatever they're called, right? Why not pull those guys up? They want to play. They, then they get another shot to show other teams what they got, and then they fill out a roster. They're going to be playing for the love of the game, for the love of their career. They're probably going to play a lot harder than some of the guys that are whining about being there. I don't understand why might, that's not an option. You might see that. We may wind up with a Mariners, uh, Marlins World Series <laughs> because you're going to see drastically different rosters. Why and not? Uh, again, I, I have no problem. I'm free market. I'm free market. I mean, that's it. But I think you'll see the the eventually the starters, some of them will come back because they want the credit towards their free agency years. But it's it's about money in that respect. And and players, we're even seeing that in the NBA. We can get in that in just a few minutes. You're getting pushback against the NBA playing now. But you're going to have baseball, but, again, it's going to be wide open. And to me, I don't care if it's – listen, I saw the Redskins two strike Super Bowls. If you're a champion, you're a champion. I don't care how many games you play. It's funny because we were talking about that today. There's a um, – so Connecticut's about to open up um, sports, youth sports on the 17th. So I was helping out this little league, Trumbull Tra- – it's called Trumbull Travel, which is a travel team, um, and they use some of our fields. And I was helping them out today with cleaning up the ball fields to kind of get them ready. And we were kind of talking about a 50 game season for the major league baseball. And a few of our Mets fans, and we kind of talked about like, you know, is it legitimate if they win a world series after a 50 game season, right? Is it still a champion? And this was kind of funny. So being in new England, um, I kind of thought this was funny. So the Mets fans kind of said, look, if, if we win, cause we're, you know, 50 games in, we're usually pretty good. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to be in the playoffs. So like if we win the, World Series, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to be so excited. Like, it's totally going to be legitimate. But they said, but if the Yankees win it and it's ring number 27, 28, no one's going to believe it. It's going to be like, ah, it was a, you know, it wasn't even a full season. That doesn't really count, Yankees. It's just amazing. Like, it was just so, like, if the Yankees win it, it doesn't count. But if any other team basically wins it, it's, it's kind of like it's legitimate. So it's, it's interesting. And you said, you kind of, you, you talk about a team that gets hot. That could be it. You could not. You could have teams that are not the best teams in the playoffs, but the teams that are playing the best. That might be younger teams. That might mean it might just come down to youth. Youth might be able to endure 50 games straight where, you know, older teams that have veterans, they need a day off. They need this time off where you're not going to have that luxury with a 50-game season, even with an expanded playoff. So it's interesting. But I don't know, Ernest, Paul, what do you guys just take? If you, I, Ernest, you kind of said if you're a champion, you're a champion. But what do you think? Is there kind of an asterisk next to it? Not to pull anything from the Astros stuff, but is there an asterisk like, well, it's not a full season. You didn't play 182 games. Paul, what, what do you think? I wanted to get your take on it. Tigers in the World Series. <laughs> if the Tigers, that's a great point. If the Tigers won the World Series because of the scenario of a 50-game season, expanded playoffs, would you have any asterisk in your mind or would it just be a complete season World Series? You'd go out and buy the pennant. You'd be happy as if your team won yeah. 182 the season. whole year is asterisk, man. I mean, if you've seen all the memes on Facebook and like if if uh, aliens are driving by, you know, the world right now, they're not going to stop because of all the, all the troubles we're having, all the drama. Um, I wouldn't. This year is just so different than any other year. And baseball survived World War Two. Uh, it survived a lot of things. I think it's going to survive this, but it's just really disappointing to see um, people's, you know, real character or poor character come out and all this and Ernest led up to a little earlier uh, Kyrie Irving who who's been known to stir up the water or not be a good team player in the past uh, recently this week made headlines on ESPN.com because in a group call he was asking all these questions even though supposedly he's injured right but he was really being uh, a spur in their NBA saddle saying oh players shouldn't play this year and we should just skip the whole year and I think, what a hypocrite. He's not going to play this year. His team's not ready to play. He's saying, since I can't play, hey, it's not safe for the rest of you. Let's just not yeah. let's just skip this year. And I'm thinking. I'd agree. I'd I like, agree. Man, 
Kyrie, just be punk. quiet. Just shut up. He's just, a punk. He is such a punk. He's from Duke, right? Well, yeah, but let me tell you the story, the background. Yeah, wait, you're not so, going to take he, that bait from Duke? I thought you'd like well, that. Well, he was, he, if he was from Carolina, he'd be a punk. That's how he didn't he, graduate from Duke, right? He just well, went see, to, yeah, he, he, he walked went, through he the buildings, man. 14 games. The initial visit when the Players Association talked to all the players, he asked, could he attend the games? He's out for the season. See, they're limited to 36 individuals' personnel to be on site in the bubble in Orlando for these games. And they pretty much said, well, we need support staff. We don't need you. So I want to be there to root. And then he asked, he has a alcoholic beverage team that he is, uh, that he uh, uh, gets paid for to push. He asked that it be named the official drink of the NBA bubble in this tournament. And then he asked about the food and the snacks. <laughs> He's just a punk, okay? When they would not allow him to push his drink, when he was not allowed to attend the games, you know, pushing out a trainer or support staff, when he could not attend the games because he's not active to play, and when he could not push the particular food items, which, again, he's paid to support. What kind of food is it now? Like Pepsi? uh, uh, No, it's an alcoholic beverage, which I do not know. Some sports beverage, alcoholic type, some cooler of some type. But see, this is just a reaction. And then he gets on there. He's not missing anything if they don't play. He wasn't going to play anyway. And the Nets aren't going to win the championship. Not with him and Durant out. Okay? So this is just a punk being a spoiled brat. Now, the Lakers came out today, and they all want to play. If you want to play, and I'm tired of hearing athletes talk about the risk. Paul has a risk. He works in a long-term care facility of exposure. I work in a health department. I have risk. Nate goes out in the public, interacts with they other people. They let him out in the public? Yes, they do. It's sometimes. 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 Not with that we're beard, all, though. We're all at risk. Tired of hearing billionaires and millionaires talk about, well, I don't want to be exposed to risk. If you're alive and you're outside your house, you're being at risk. But it's a pro athlete's you know, feeling entitled because – They've already made theirs, and they don't want to take risks because they have so much money. Is it sort of that? It's long term. They're afraid of something affecting their long term income. That's the that's Blake Snell of the Rays. That was the baseball. You know, I'm not going to risk my career for a short term season where I could hurt. Even though they're going to give them three to four weeks of spring training in the '81 strike. Do you know how long the uh, after they had the strike agreement before they played the first game? What period of uh, spring training they had? Two weeks. Just seven days. I guess. Seven, seven days. days. Seven days. Seven days. Wow, so, those pitchers you know, were messed up. Bring your rosters up to thirty. Have more pitchers. Yeah. Have more supporting staff. Have like a taxi squad, so to speak, since we don't have minor leagues. But again, I'm 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 tired of it. People have endured so much at home and been exposed to the same types of things. I'm just tired. I mean, hockey players, you have heard nothing. They're ready to play, no problems whatsoever. Let's get on the ice. Let's get it done. That's yeah. that's hockey players are coming out of this. Nate was right. They're coming out of this public view much better than anybody else. Yeah, and they're gonna be they're gonna dominate the market. There's nothing else to watch, and people are gonna be like, you know, I actually like hockey. You know, I think we we've been watching not all of us, some of us have been watching Korean baseball, and it's kind of like, oh, I didn't really, I never really paid attention to baseball outside of America. I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of watched a little bit. They put stuffed animals in the audience because there's no fans behind the dugout, behind the backstop, so they put a whole bunch of stuffed animals in the seats. I mean, it's, but it's it's great. But I've been watching that, but I I never would have seen it had I not had this not been going on. There's no way I'd probably Korean baseball ever. And I think that's what's going to happen. People are like, you know, I forgot how much I like hockey. I forgot. I only see it in the Olympics. You know, I don't really pay that much attention. Oh, I'm going to start watching this, especially with the format they're going to have too, where it's going to be all these playing. That's going to be awesome. So I think, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think NHL is really going to come out of this and they're not whining or complaining. And as much as everybody doesn't like the uh, commissioner of the NHL, he's looking the best right now. So 
They got yeah, something I, planned. I mean, Adam Silver's looking good too. I mean, he's he's doing the best he can. Um, I've always been a big fan of Adam Silver, but um, I mean, right now I, I have nothing negative to say about the NHL. So, as much bad publicity as Bettman gets and booed every time he comes on the ice, he's the longest serving commissioner right now in the Big Four. People don't realize he's been in there since '96. He has dirt on the owners. Come on, that's why he survived. <laughs> so no, well, so nobody's. He came from the NBA. He was one of David Stern's lieutenants at one time. But, I mean, you know, he's he's ridden out uh, where they shut down for an entire year in 2004. He, he rode that out, and he's still there. And, you know, they've had to redirect their energies. But I, I, hockey suffered from that strike just like baseball did in 95 and in 81. But there's sometimes baseball just fits better in the summer than any other sports. I went out. And I was fishing out my kayak, and I was enjoying it. Perfect weather in Michigan right now. Caught some fish, just enjoying just a real good breeze blowing in my car. And I went to turn on the radio, and I turned it to the Tiger Stadium, Tiger Baseball Network, and I went, oh, crud, they're not playing. And I really, really missed it. I mean, it would have been perfect to eat ice cream, listen to a baseball game. I think um, the – Around 4th of July, always, I want to be at a baseball park somewhere. Nate, when are you going to miss baseball the most if they even can't get 50 games together? I already missed it now. I mean, I got to go to spring training the first week in Arizona, luckily. Um, but I got to see some of it then. And now I'm just like, oh, man, I'm so glad I got to see it. Because if this season doesn't happen, I got to see some. But, yeah, I, I like it. I always love opening day. Um, I just It's one of my favorites. I just I, I, Whatever game's on, I'll just watch it. I mean, I love opening day. Then I like opening day of the Diamondbacks, if I can get it. Um, you know, their first home game. Um, and, yeah, kind of 4th of July weekend you like it. I like All-Star weekend. Um, I, I, I like it because it's like you go to the All-Star game. The, after All-Star game, it's the playoff push. Um, I love it when you get to a couple weeks between – uh, before the playoffs start, when you have those teams fighting and you can kind of watch it, and then they start throwing up the magic numbers. So, yeah, there's there's all ports, all times of the year. I think you just kind of, sometimes we just kind of take baseball for granted. You start doing other things, you kind of forget it's there. But I do fantasy baseball. I'm in a couple leagues, so I'm always paying attention. But um, I, I guess, yeah, I kind of like the 4th of July, All-Star Weekend, those kind of things, and opening day are probably the ones I've missed so far. I don't, I don't think there's, there's no way they're going to do an all-star game if they're only playing 50 games. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll just have a little short spring training, which is better than nothing. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, opening day will be kind of weird, but still be opening day. I'll still watch. Ernest, I have another question for you. Um, if you've been looking at ESPN like I have, they have been promoting every documentary they can ever since The Last Dance was so successful. And right now they're really promoting – the whole idea of McGuire and Sosa in the years they were trying to break the home run record. If you had a choice, Ernest, to go with Sosa for a night out in Chicago or McGuire for a night out in St. Louis, which one would you pick? Uh, just to see Sammy Sosa's tone of his face, his facial <laughs> color change. I think it's like the weather thing. If it's cloudy, he gets a certain pasty-like look or – you know, amazing how that man's face has changed the last 20 years. Botox, man. Uh, Botox. Mark, Mark McGuire is, is, has no personality whatsoever. And he, you know, you know what he's doing right now. He's a coach, he's, isn't he? He's a batting coach for the Padres. He's the hitting Ooh. coach for the Padres. But he's taken such a low profile. And Sammy just, it depends. Would Sammy be able to speak English now? I mean, this is not a congressional uh, committee, right? He'd be able to speak English. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> Sammy. Yeah. I mean, he looked like he was he, having a better time than McGuire, though. Wasn't didn't he look at, during the whole thing? Ah, uh, yeah, but I mean, I'd ask him about the cork bat. I'd find out if he really could speak English. I'd try to get skin care. Uh, well, all right, uh, enough of that. All right, all right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, but now, listen, I miss baseball because I like you know I sit in my pool and listen to it. I know you and suffer, I really I'd, suffer. Uh, my neighbors have been driven crazy because I'm listening to my Spotify list, and there's only so many times I want to listen to Fifty Cent while I'm in in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I can't see. You uh, I thought you were a Snoop Dogg or uh... no, 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 no. Eminem, Fifty Cent, Fitty, Fitty, as they say. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
Oh, wow. Uh, there, there, there's some NSFW songs I have to be really careful and jump out of the pool and uh-huh. pull the plug when they're playing. But. All right, back on topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think if I had to pick, um, first off, I think No Brainer Chicago would probably be a better town to hang out with than St. Louis. Nothing against St. Louis, but, um, you know, Chicago would just, you know, that's a lot more to do there. Um, I think as long as we went to a restaurant, we got a bottle of wine. Any, you know, I'm sure Sammy would want anything with a cork in it. Oh, um, bum bum bum! Because of the uh, cork fat, for those that didn't know. Uh, no, I think I, I don't know. I, I think you're. I don't know if Mark McGuire has the personality. So Sammy Sosa, assuming I could understand him if he does speak English, I'm, I'm very poor with my Spanish. Uh, probably my worst subject in college. But you know, I, I'd still. I think. I think. I think it'd be fun. I'm sure people in Chicago love Sammy Sosa. So I, I'm sure it'd be a lot better time to. Yeah, with Sammy Sosa in Chicago, but you know. Yeah. I what could... about you? Would you would you pick one? I would pick um Mark McGuire because I'm curious. I would hope I could be able to pull out some of his um knowledge of playing with the different players. I'd love to hear stories about Conseco. You know, if there was some way I could loosen him up. He and also just he was on a lot of different teams at a lot of different times. Uh played um with Randy Johnson for a while there too. Um, SC. Yeah, USC. And also, this is sort of sentimental. Um, I got a uh, Mark McGuire bat. When that was all going on, I got a bat that was Blem. You know, like they make Rawlings makes a bat. Or, no, it was um, oh the company out of Louisville. It's drawing a blank. We were, anyways, if it's not exactly Louisville, perfect, uh, Louisville Slugger. If it's not exactly perfect, they put blem on it and they sell it somewhere else. And I bought one, and Dave and I, my son, played with it for a long time, and we just thought it was the coolest thing that we had a big, long, true Mark McGuire bat, and it was so long and so thick at the handle, and we hit baseballs, tennis balls, and one few golf balls, which is probably dangerous when I'm looking back at that now. So Nate, are you next with that type of story? No, I. It's funny. It reminds me of Mr. Baseball when you're using the golf balls when he's trying to get his swing back and he takes him to a golf driving range and he's hitting baseball. Um, he's hitting the golf balls with the baseball bat and he's yelling, "I want to hit baseballs." <laughs> Do you think either one of them will be in the Hall of Fame? No. Oh, that was quick. Yeah, I don't. But so. they'll be. The, it's it's a memory that I'll always have. It, it, they can't erase the memory of that race. Bigger um, disappointment, them or Lance Armstrong. Ooh. Uh, I think Lance Armstrong because he had the whole cancer survivor and you really, really wanted to root for him and you really wanted to be excited for him. I think that was a bigger shock than the other one. The other one, you kind of look at them and they're like, all right, these guys are pretty jacked, I think. Whatever. I mean, my theory is I don't care how jacked you are. It's not easy to hit a you know 95-mile-an-hour fastball. You still got to hit the ball. You still got to make contact. That ain't easy. So, uh, But Lance, I mean, I think Lance, and he lied about it so long too that – I think just I think all the people that he gave hope to that had cancer and stuff like that. I think that's why it was a bigger punch to the gut. And did you hear what he, he said? Was, it'd be is it hard being Lance Armstrong? He says no, it'd be worse being Floyd Landis. I mean, he didn't have to burn Floyd Landis that bad. Watching Floyd, Landis, yeah, Floyd Landis is the one that brought it all down. I know. So I'm sure yeah. that. Right. Yeah. So Paul, who who, who are you more disappointed in? Sosa oh. McGuire or, or oh Lance, uh, yeah, definitely. Lance. I agree with Nate on that. It's just his whole foundation, what he was doing, was so great and so positive to have that built on a house of cards and lies. Yeah, it just is well, really hard to take. I, is I, it, no. was it really? I mean, he yes, did it was a house cancer. of cards. It, he lied over and over again. Intentional deception. I think what he did was worse than what um, McGuire and Sosa did. I, by but far. can you can you separate it because the raising funds for cancer and he survived from cancer isn't that separate than the bike riding? You know, no, like, because but, how you would never heard of Lance Armstrong if it wasn't for the biking thing, right? You never would so, heard about. But look at all the the people, particularly juvenile uh, individuals, juvenile cancer, all those who were helped by the money he was raised. I'm not saying I'm not, he didn't do a great job. I'm saying when you asked who were most disappointed in, yeah. yeah, I was more disappointed than that because of everything else that's gone on in his life. That's why it was more disappointing. It's not that what he's done. I think the 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 things that have come out of the money that he's, you know, um, 
raised um, the things he's done as far as cancer survivors. I think that's wonderful, but he's never going to be remembered for that. But for my, my whole thing was, you know, there were so many people that looked up to him and were amazed at what he could do. Who knows how many people thought, hey, if he could do it, I can do it. You know, I could I could play this sport because he overcame this as a cancer survivor and just to find out, like, well, he was taking all this stuff and that's why he won the championship. He didn't do it because, you know, he survived cancer and worked really hard. It was, he had these performance enhancing things. So that's why I think it was a disappointment. And honestly, I never really cared about the Tour de France until Lance Armstrong came on. I've never, I was like, I knew about what it was, but never watched it until he won one. I was like, oh, I'll kind of kick it on. And, oh, he's got the yellow jersey on. That's cool. But I never cared about it. So, yeah, I think that was more disappointing to me. But So those guys, when I would watch the Tour de France, I thought, they have to have balls of steel. I mean, those guys are on that <laughs> bike seat yeah. over and over and over again. But I, I get off track. All right, Ernest, you are our media specialist. I mean, you should have your own yes. media review site. So our last topic for tonight is going to be what are you watching because sports are not on because there's not a lot of sports on and I'm I have to get to your side I'll give you credit Ernest I tried the Titan games and you were already against it uh uh-uh. uh it I don't care how much I like the rock I just did not care for the Titans game so Ernest what are you watching what's what can you give our fans our listeners out there your recommendation like yeah I watched this and it was great uh, Space Force, I really liked. A lot of people expected that to be The Office Part 2, and I thought it's uniquely different. It's a horror rating now. It's not a family show. I'm going to warn you now right fast. Like, Let me tell you something else that really surprised me. NBC was showing live broadcasts of old Super Bowls about two weeks ago, and I guess time you forget stuff. But Jerry Rice, the, the greatness, and another one was Bradshaw. Quarterbacks took a beating back then. I mean, they would slam Bradshaw to the ground. The same thing with Montana. I mean, football now is is different than the 80s. And I guess I didn't realize how much brutality. Ronnie Lott was a beast. I mean, he would just, he would have been out of the league if he played now. It just, it was interesting to watch. You didn't see the specialized highlights that you see uh, NFL films. You saw it as live ad broadcast, and that was fascinating. But stay, Space Force, I really enjoyed. Um, that was that was pretty good. Uh, saw Knives Out last on your recommendation, Paul, which was an, mm-hmm. like an Agatha Christie film. Uh, but Space Force, I thought was really well done. I mean, some a lot of people have come back and been disappointed, but I, I've enjoyed it. And John Malkovich makes the series. I am a big John Malkovich fan. Mm-hmm. And, and when you read, Nate, you've seen some episodes. I've seen about, I think I'm halfway through the season. So, I, you know, I like it. I think people had to go in with without the expectation that it's going to be the next office just because it had Steve Carell and the same writer. But, um, you know, you got to remember, too, the office, the first season was not great. It almost didn't get picked up. So I think you got to give this, you know, I, I think it needs the first year to kind of get things going. Hopefully there's a second season and they'll kind of pick up. But, no, there's some funny parts to it. Um, I, I've enjoyed it. I haven't laughed like crazy at it, but I've enjoyed it like to the point where I still want to keep watching it. I haven't given up on it. Um, I think you're right. John Malkovich is great. He's got some great parts to it. Um, great lines. Just His overall demeanor is great. Um, you know, there's other characters that are kind of like, eh, but, you know, it's kind of funny when they talk about, like, you never see the president, but they say the president's going to be tweeting, you know, in five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a something storm of <laughs> of it and um yeah so it's just kind of funny because it kind of relates to you know like they copyrighted time. the insignia and the term space force before the federal government did so well, they have yeah, the right to do it funny. which the insignia looks just like star trek please i mean can you be a little more original than that but how many of you guys funny. watched the launch the other day i know ernest did um with um tesla's uh, rocket I watched going. It. it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I, I got cool. to see, I basically saw the highlights, but I turned it on. We were outside playing. We ran in a little bit too late, but I got to see they were already in space. Um, I was I was outside playing with my grandson, so I actually missed the launch itself, mm-hmm. but I have seen the replays afterwards. And uh, it, I have the NASA channel part of my package, so I've been able to watch the, the, the highlights and all the updates through the NASA channel. And what does your sister do, Ernest, to help that whole thing out? 
She is a mission specialist. She was a mission specialist with the space station. Now she's less stressed. She requested she is now a mission specialist with our satellites. And if you watch the movie Gravity, which was incorrect, the satellites are basically about anywhere from 200 to 300 miles higher orbit than the International Space Center. Mm. So she would be like the lady on the uh, intercom to the other people saying, we're doing this now, we're doing this next? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, because everything is, there's a big notebook they go through. They have to check all the stuff. Uh, they had a leak with the uh, refusal system, the waste refusal system not too long ago where they were losing some and they had to wear the suits for a while because it's become depressurized because the skin of the International Space Station is only a few millimeters across. Can't be that heavy because you have to get it in space. It has to be put together. All these crafts could be easily, you could about poke your finger through them. Mm. That's how thin the material is. Mm. Mm. Well, guys, the time has already flown. I want to give Wait, you at least Paul, two, three minutes. Paul, before we go, Ernest, you said you had two trivia questions for us or something. Oh, right? Yes, yes. Uh, easy one first are. and then the hard one. Here's the easy one. You've seen Cable Guy. The movie, right? Long time ago. Yes. You know who? Do you know who the, the writer? That's the only movie he ever wrote. You know who the writer was? <laughs> wow, no. it's the only thing he's written. Is he famous for something else? If you think of the main character, Chip, he has a lisp, a bad lisp. Think sports. Think bad lisp. Mike Tyson. Lou Holtz Jr. Huh. A it actually happened to him. He had a cable guy that came in that wanted to be his friend. And so he wrote the script and based the character, the protagonist, on his father, Lou Holt Sr.'s pronounced lisp. So here's the hard one. That was the hard, that was the easy one? Okay. <laughs> that was the easy one. Scared to hear the hard one. All right. Oh, okay. This one's easy because you know two of them right off the bat. You know, traditionally basketball players have had a short lifespan because large size, you know, the hearts and all that. But believe it or not, since 1956, since the NBA has been giving out the MVP trophies, only four of the MVP winners in the NBA are no longer with us. 63 years and only four have passed away. Two of them this year, that's pretty easy. Can you name the four NBA MVPers who are no longer with us here on Earth? John Havlicek? John Havlicek was never MVP. Mm. Wow. All right, two this year. Get the two this year. That's really nice. easy. Kobe. Kobe, okay. One passed away. In the two last weeks how ago. many years? Since 1956, only four NBA players All right, Will Chamberlain. were MVPs. There you go. You got two left. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of Okay, one just passed away, Paul. You gave him a trivia question about him about three months ago. Oh, no pressure, man. No pressure. Okay. Uh, Washington Bullets. Oh, Wes Unsell. Okay, you got one left. Hmm. Da, 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 How was it when I was I born when this guy won the? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll what team did he play there. for? Help us out. There you go. Oh, he played for Philadelphia, Houston, Portland, Milwaukee. Moses Malone. There you go. Ding, ding, wow. ding. We have a winner. Isn't it amazing? Fifty, uh, sixty-three years. And only four of the MVPs have passed. That's away. really amazing when you're in your 60s to think about that, huh, Ernest? And I mean, oh, yeah. think about All it. Right. One was tragic, so I mean, really, it shouldn't be. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. But the, Bob, Bob Pettit's still alive. Bill Russell's still alive. Bob Cousy's still alive. You know, Bill Russell got about 15 of these. But again, it's amazing. And Oscar's that still alive. Oscar's still with us. Kareem. Larry, uh, a magic. I mean, it really Malone. is amazing. Carl Malone. Carl yeah, Malone. Carl Malone. We remember I mean, that from the uh, the Last Dance. That's yeah. what motivated Jordan. That Malone it, won the MVP that year. It is truly amazing. Again, basketball players you've always heard have short lifespans, but it's not really true. I mean, yeah, Bill Russell's still relatively very active. You know, respect. the way you just said that's not really true almost sounded like your Bill Clinton imitation there. Oh, sorry. Can you say it again? Say it again like Bill Clinton. I love this rug. I, it's not really true. There you go. Okay. Good. That was one of your best you. imitations yet. Thank you. Thank you. Say, they're, they're, they really shouldn't have li short lifespans. They're all tall, except for Muggsy Bugs. Yeah. It's all right, Ernest, what's your final two? 
special shout out to my father, Clifford Beeman Watts. My dad will turn 92 this Saturday. And then the day next day is Father's Day. So being cheap kids, we're only going to get him one present for Father's Day slash <laughs> birthday. A tie. But, uh, a tie. A tie. No, no. Well, I've looked at a doorbell. Really Cologne. Not. Cologne? No, he doesn't. He still uses men in skin bracer. Okay. <laughs> That's his cologne. Now he's, <laughs> Old he spice. sweats cologne naturally. Old spice. He sweats cologne naturally. Now, I've got him some bad. We need to do a podcast on bad Father's Day presents we've given or gotten. Maybe next week that'll be one of the topics. But I have given him this. During this, I have gotten him fresh peaches from Richmond County right out of the orchard, uh, which is one of the few things he can eat easily. And he mm. loves peaches. And he can't eat chocolate. He can't eat sweets. But uh, peaches is something I've kept him supplied with. My wife has kept him supplied with. That's more like orchards. it. Yeah. Sounds peachy. Yes. 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 All right. So, that's so, so ha- happy Father's Day, Mr. Watts. Yep. Get better soon. And uh, yep. Happy 92nd birthday. Um, my last minute here is I have a friend, Yovasa, who is a financial planner down in Memphis, Tennessee. And we connected because we both had websites that were trying to reach out to guys uh, to help them figure out manhood. He leads the podcast Millennial Manhood. And I was a guest on his show one time, and he contacted me because his family is from Bosnia. And Bosnia, if you think back, have gone through so much. And he knows the family back there, close friends to his family. And this one family has a three-year-old daughter named Sarah, and she has a rare disease that she's going to die of. And because COVID's going on, they can't bring her over to the United States or to Canada. The only place they can take her to instant in I can't say it anymore. Instable. Constantinople. There we go. Um, <laughs> but the trouble is they got to get the money for it because they don't have insurance. So the striking thing to me was he said, even the people who are their neighbors now who were their enemies 20 years ago, I mean, they used to fight against these people, are doing fundraisers for this little three-year-old. So go to the website, GoFundMe, and type in Save Sarah. That's S-A-R-A, Save Sarah. And you'll see her story. I just chipped in a little bit. And if you want to see a good story and know you're really making a difference, this is it. I told my friend Yovasa that I would promote it on this podcast as he's promoting his. So with that being said, I thank Nate and Ernest for being friends. And that together we're going to get through this. And uh, enjoy your families. Enjoy any type of sports you can. And have a good night. <laughs>